This is Purple Radio On Demand. Hello and welcome to the sixth of Palatinate Sports Euro 2020 podcast, where we'll be bringing you continued coverage of the tournament over the coming week. Today is the final group stage episode focusing on Group F, containing France, Germany, Portugal and Hungary. I'm Johnny Tiplady and today I'm joined by a panel of Durham's finest. With me I have George Sims. Hello. Matt Stiles. Good afternoon. And Ollie Phillips. Good afternoon guys. Lads, we're just five days away from the tournament kicking off. How are we feeling about it all? Very excited, mate. Yeah, as everyone is. Yeah, excitement's only growing. Very, very much looking forward to it. Need to sort my wall chart out. But yeah, once I've got that, I'll be uh, raring to go with everyone else in the country. Yep. Wall charts, sweepstakes, they're all about to get underway, aren't they? It's a very exciting summer ahead. So without further ado, let's get cracking into these four fine teams today. So I thought we'd start with Germany, a bit of a wild card in this group, you'd say. 2014 World Cup winners, but didn't have the best of times in the most recent World Cup, 2018. Didn't make it past the group. How much have they improved as a side, do you think, Matt? Um, well, 6-0 defeat to Spain, uh, a loss to Macedonia recently. Wouldn't imply that they've sort of responded in the best way. Um, also confusion with the recalling of Hummels and Muller I think they're just a bit all over the shop and this this competition will really be a good test of uh, how far they've come and how to what extent they can actually overcome their misery in the previous World Cup where they were uh, <laughs> shockingly dumped out by South Korea so I have to wait and see uh, I like the look of their squad but it could go either way especially in a group like this because They've got pretty, pretty tough opposition. Yes, they are in the so-called group of death alongside France and Portugal. And it must be said, Hungary are not one to balk at as well. You mentioned there Thomas Muller and Matt Hummels in the, to- in the side for the first time in two years. It's quite a blend, you'd say, of experience he's added, as well as some of the younger talents like Jamal Musiala from Bayern Munich. George, do you think this blend of youth and experience will be quite crucial to Germany if they are to go far in this tournament? Well, I think Hummels and Muller coming back smacks of desperation from Joachim Love. He's really, having completely banished them from the team, a set of shocking results has meant he needs to try something else. And he's brought in two of their best players. But I have to say, Hummels in particular, I don't think was the man to bring back. He's a great centre-back, one of their biggest problems they've had for the last five years, really, as they've been constantly trying to play a high line and having terribly slow defenders. And Hummels isn't very quick. He's too old already. And as we, as you saw, as Matt mentioned, when they lost 6-0 to Spain and 2-1 to Macedonia, they have they cannot organise their high line. The defenders are too slow and Love just isn't up to date with how to play modern pressing football, really. Um, And I think against teams like France and Portugal, who are so quick and so organised, they're just going to get ripped to shreds. Yes, it must be said that the football, international football has changed with the times. It's become a lot more physical over the years. Joaquin Love, the most experienced manager from the whole tournament, he's been in charge of Demandschaft since 2006. 
but of course is stepping down after this tournament. Do you think they have left on the team or will it spur them on to provide him with one last hurrah? Um, I suppose it relieves a little bit of that pressure behind the stakes over manager's position. I mean, you know, Lewis got, he's got nothing to lose, I suppose. Um, but again, I sort of echo what the boys said. It still looks like a side in transition from 2018. Um, they're obviously very poor, but it seemed like a rash sort of panic decision after those three games to get rid of the old guard. I think bringing them in this year is a bit of a no-brainer. I think Thomas Muller, he scored 11 and set up 21 in the Bundesliga this year. He seems in the central part of their squad now. Um, and there's sort of, there's some room for optimism, I suppose, in the sense of midfield. They've got Goretzka and Kimmich as that double pivot. And it's difficult to see anything, you know, any sense, central midfield partnership being stronger than that in the tournament. Um, but no, I don't think there's sort of swan song will have any impact on the side as such, but maybe it will just release a little bit of that pressure that comes alongside uh, an international tournament. Yeah, that's true. Yes, there's, I guess, knowing that Hansi Flick is coming in as well, there's not the uncertainty that perhaps there might be if they hadn't had a manager lined up on the corner. So they do have that to look forward to. Due to the nature of this tournament, with the matches being spread across the continent, Germany are one of two host nations in this group, with uh, Munich being the venue for three of the group's games the other being Budapest, and we'll talk about the effect that could have on Hungary later. Do we think this kind of home advantage could be a plus for the German side, Matt? Uh, it's hard to say, isn't it, really? Um, I mean, it should spur them on, of course, but I just don't think the tactical assurance, uh, there isn't any tactical assurance. I don't think that that will matter too much when on the pitch struggles are as they are, you know, as the crowd will, of course, back them. But I don't know if they can back themselves. They've got a few wildcard players in there who I don't know if they'll be able to perform. They'll obviously want to turn up in front of these crowds. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm just very, very, very concerned about the nature of this team and how they're going to line up. So, I don't know, it remains to be seen. But, no, I don't think it's the crucial determining factor at all. Yeah, for so long over the last decade, you look at some of the big German sides like Bayern Munich and Dortmund that have provided so many of the key figures in this German national side. Will that perhaps aid the cohesion for their push towards the latter stages, knowing that they'll be familiar with a lot of their compatriots in the team? Ollie, you reckon? Uh, I, don't know, I don't think so. I think that was the case in 2018 as well. I think it's the case with many national sides. Um, I think just in general, I'm sure George knows more than me about this, but I think in Germany right now, there's a lack of optimism, a lack of enthusiasm about this side. I think at the best of times, there's a certain apathy towards the international team, despite how much success they've had. Um, I think going back to that home crowd thing, I'm not convinced that will be a big, a big factor for them. Um, you know, or as big as it will be for for Hungary, for instance. Um, so, I don't I don't know about cohesion. I think, as we've already mentioned, I, don't, I think the squad hardly screams subpar. I think the squad looks very good on paper. Um, 
it's just a question of of how they set up, as we've already mentioned, and how dynamically they set up uh, against, especially France and Portugal, who, as we said, will have so much pace and uh, have such an aerial threat. Um, and yeah, I think that would be the biggest factor as to how they how they line up at the back. George, who do you think will be the key? Who, which kind of are there particular partnerships, or is there an area of the pitch that you think Germany hold the advantage over teams like France and Portugal? Well, it, I think if you look at their squad player by player, this should be one of the favourites for the tournament. Um, but the Love just hasn't been able to get them to, to play to anything like their ability. They have terrible chance conversion and things like that. And so I think to start with, the, Muller might, might be a great addition to help link things up and have a bit of a finishing touch under pressure. I mean, he's obviously 11 years after being Golden Boot winner at the World Cup. But for me, I think the most important potential switch is I think they need to move Kimmich back to right wing back just for the tournament. It looks like Love is going to try and play a sort of 3-4-3. Three, three. And although Kimmich is one of the best centre midfielders in the world, they also have Gundogan and Kroos. And they don't have a good right wing back. Kimmich's delivery is incredible. He's a brilliant defender and such a clever player. And I think if they, could, if they move him out there permanently just for this tournament, it gives them a level of protection and security at both ends that they don't have otherwise if they're having to play someone like Halstenberg. They've, they've played Sane at right wing back. They could even play someone like Emre Chan, who's really a terrible wing back. Um, and th- that's where they're going to have these problems when you have defenders like Hummels and I mean, Nicolas Sula when they played Denmark the other day. He got absolutely turned inside out by Yusuf Poulsen for their goal, just pulled all over the place. And if Benzema and Mbappe start doing that against them, these guys could lose 6-7-0 again. Um, so, yeah, I think moving Kimmich out there would be really important. And um, having Muller back, as Ollie said, is another key factor for them to, to give a bit of experience and a proper quality finishing touch up front. Indeed. Kimmich is a player who I... I think you'd liken to Philip Lahm. And when Guardiola was at Munich, he definitely did experiment with fashioning him into that right-back role. There's been a lot made of this German side's adaptability as well. I think on their official announcement, they only actually named two forwards. They had players like Leroy Sane and Nabry as actual midfielders. Um, one of the names on in the forward line was Timo Werner, and much has been made about his debut season in English football. Do Does he have enough to carry the load, the burden, going forward for, German, uh, for the German side, Matt? Um, well, he, he's proven at Leipzig, clearly. He's a, he's, he can on his debut world-class. So in the right environment, when he's feeling confident, clearly he can score goals. And he is a lethal, lethal goal scorer. So, yeah, he has got the talent clearly there it's just a matter of confidence um but then again if he doesn't score like with Chelsea it will be up to the other players around him and the tactical uh setup and the way that they play and if it is these attacking fullbacks then I'd like to say that Robin Gerson's is a reliable source of goals with 11 goals six assists for Atalanta this season and if he and Kimmich can be firing all cylinders down the right and left hand side then I think that it wouldn't be a problem if, if Werner does go missing on occasion because you've also got uh, reliable goal scorers like Müller, 
um, you know, and, and Goretzka pops up. Obviously, Gundogan is a is a goal machine this season. So, you know, no, I, I don't think he will be. Um, the weight will be too much on his shoulders, but obviously it would be good if he could find the back of the net uh, for once rather than just some intelligent runs and whatever. Yeah, a lot has been made this season about his lack of goals or just the fact that he's struggled to put away easier chances, but you can't fault his off-the-ball movement, certainly. He he adds a lot to the game he in that respect. Okay, so... Shall we move on to France then? The World Cup holders, I think many bookies' favourites for the tournament as a whole. Will this group of death be a potential banana skin for their chances? Ollie, what do you think? I mean, I think no. I think they're the best team in the tournament. I think if we're making any sort of logical prediction, they would be many of our favourites. Um, they just look so strong. It's very obvious it doesn't need repeating um, I suppose the only area of worry for me would be would be in goal um, you know Hugo Lloris has never really filled me with confidence um, even winning that World Cup he made a couple of errors he made an error against Croatia um, I think Rafael Varane maybe in front of him is potentially error prone but Kimpembe has been so good that I can't see that being much of an issue um, yeah I just think they look so strong Obviously, Kante is in the form of his life. Um, Pogba's been such a big leader for France. Um, they've got the experience of winning a tournament. Um, so, yeah, I, I have no no worries that, that France will get through this group. It must be said that France's squad is, quite frankly, disgustingly talented. The squad that's not going to the Euros, I think, could definitely contend. This time, it's most notable for the inclusion of Karim Benzema for the first time in six years. How much do you think... How much of a role do you think he could play for this team, George? Well, I think he's going to be crucial for this France side really unlocking Kylian Mbappe's talents up front. We saw in the last friendly they played when they beat Wales, played the sort of 4-1-2-1-2 with Griezmann at the 10 and Benzema and Mbappe up front. And Benzema just constantly is so good playing with a natural goal scorer. We obviously saw it for years when he was playing with Ronaldo at Real Madrid. He's, he's an, a brilliant goal scorer himself, but so good at bringing other players into the play too. And so I think he's going to be just crucial for them. Um, but I mean, for him joining this France side that should have won the last Euros and very nearly did, then won the last World Cup and has a set of players that are only getting more talented, only coming into better form and only learning to play together better. These guys should be so far favourites, it's ridiculous. And as Jose Mourinho said the other day, if they lose, the, if they don't win, it is entirely their fault. <laughs> yeah, they could well be the architects of their own downfall. We did see that in the in the Euros, of course, as well. Um, so you mentioned there Antoine Griezmann, who there was a bit of a question mark with bringing Ken, uh, Benzema in, whether his role would change, uh, whether or not he'd even be in the in the starting eleven. Matt, do you think he is still one of France's key men? Yeah, well, there's a danger of him, you know, being overshadowed by Benzema now and, you know, alongside Mbappe, obviously, so he'll have to adapt. I think he's dropped off since that last World Cup a bit. Um, moving to Barcelona hasn't quite been as fruitful as people quite anticipated. But, no, I do think so. I think on the, on the international stage, he always seems to crop up well. He's adaptable. He's clearly 
world class. So, yeah, I think he will be. Um, and there's obviously very, very good cover for him if he were to not perform. So, yeah, as people are saying, I think that the depth here is ridiculous. Their backup squad probably could reach the quarterfinals at least uh, as well. So, yeah, a very you know, familiar group who should should do very, very well. I mean, obviously they did win last World Cup and, I mean, they were amongst the favourites that time as well. How much really have they improved since in the last three years since that tournament, do you think, Ollie? Uh, I don't know how much they've improved. I think their their strength is that that side was fairly young. Won that World Cup, I think, as we said, it's a familiar bunch um, and very few of them have sort of dropped off. I mean, if anything, they've gone on to win bigger games and play bigger roles at club level. Um, I think we'll see a very similar side. We'll see a very similar setup where there's a, no real inspiration for 90 minutes in terms of, you know, they won't keep the ball. They won't sort of look brilliant. They won't look too eye-catching. Um, but they mentioned it after that World Cup. They'll be they'll be so clinical when they do get those chances. Um, obviously, mentioned Mbappe. It's so quick, so clinical, scored 27 in 31 games or something this year. Um, you know, we'll see a lot of games which they maybe nick and then uh, I'm sure they'll go on to score more goals. I mean, even in that knockout stage um, in the 2018 World Cup, everyone said they were boring, but they ended up scoring 11 goals in four games. Um, they scored four goals twice. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's almost the scary thing is that it looks like a consistent side and it's only been bolstered, uh, as we've mentioned, by Benzema coming in. Yeah, an experienced head who's definitely been around the blocks himself. And we've seen, obviously, in those Champions League semi-finals, he only needs just a moment to provide his own quality as well. George, one player who I'd like to pick out has been quite a maligned figure in the Premier League since he joined almost five years ago. Never quite being able to find a level of consistency that he has in a France shirt. That's Paul Pogba. What do you think has been the main difference in getting him into a purple patch in his international side as opposed to relatively indifferent patches for Manchester United? I think for me, the big difference is having N'Golo Conte playing behind him. When Conte can sweep up and Pogba doesn't have to play as a true holding midfielder as United try and play in that sort of German like double six pivot role, he has so much more attacking freedom, which is where he can really shine, where he can just pick the ball up and run and press players and just dribble past people and just cause havoc. That's what he does for France. And it's what he should do for United. And it's, I think, been the fault of United managers that he's then been blamed for, that he isn't a natural sort of six sitting back. Um, and so when he's got Kante playing behind him, who just sweeps up everything and then plays the ball through to him to run, it's his perfect role. And then, I mean, he obviously has better players around him for France because they do have more talent than Man United, certainly have had for a while. Um, but, yeah, I think having that a proper holding midfielder behind him, a lot more attacking freedom, makes him a much better player. Oli, uh, we've mentioned already the fact that France do have absolute embarrassment of riches across all parts of the pitch. Do you think it's more important to rely on a more consistent first 11 or to utilise the entire squad and kind of 
not so much tinker around, but just make sure that the fitness, I guess, is there as well. What do you think on that? Yeah, I don't know. As you said, I don't know if tinkering is the way to go. I think having some sort of stability and having, especially your spine, as a relatively consistent throughout the tournament is quite important. Um, just in terms of some form of consistency, I think with France they have the options to do both. I think that starting eleven is obviously so strong, and they can keep that should fitness, you know, be fine. Um, but they've got so many options off the bench. They've got Kingsley Coman, Dembele, Martial to come off the bench. I think particularly useful could be Olivier Giroud. I know he's also received quite a lot of criticism from French fans, um, but you know he scored a lot of goals for his country. And whenever he's come on for Chelsea, uh, particularly before sort of March this year, he looks so classy. Um, so he's a great option off the bench, a great aerial threat. Um, so, yeah, I think that, again, is a massive strength of France is that they have that spine that can provide that consistency throughout the tournament. And also, should they need to mix and match and not really lose any strength. Indeed, they do have... An absolutely astounding second team, let alone a first team as well. We move on now to the team that beat them in the Euro 2016 final, Portugal, a team who squeezed over the line, in fact. They came second in their European uh, Championship qualifying behind Ukraine, who they couldn't even beat. In their last international break, they drew with Serbia and could only beat Azerbaijan, courtesy of an own goal. Are they still quite a way off being one of those big teams, one of the favourites for the tournament, do you think, Matt? Well, they won it in 2016 with a far worse squad than they do now. So it's scary to think what they could could do on this occasion. But I do worry uh, with all these new talent, this new talent coming through that they haven't had the chance to quite you know, understand each other. Um, and there's also the danger of relying too much on Ronaldo. Uh, you know, and because Bruno could be stifled, uh, the likes of... Um, Jota, João Felix, etc. I think Andre Silva has been the more reliable source of goals um, this year in the Bundesliga than Ronaldo. So it's interesting to know how they'll set up, how they'll work around Ronaldo, how they'll express themselves. Um, I think they they are they are favourite. They're definitely, if not France, the favourite still um, if they play their cards right. So it'll be very interesting to see how they go about this and who they actually play and how they approach these big games against um, Germany and France initially. So Portugal, of course, did make it all the way over the line in 2016, despite only winning one game in normal time. Uh, Defensively, they were solid, barring a three-all draw with Hungary. George, what do you think of them as an attacking side this time around? Do you think there's a lot of balancing to do with new talent like João Felix and even André Silva, who's relatively young still as well? Um, I think, as Matt said, a lot of their defensive balancing is going to come around fitting Cristiano Ronaldo into that side. As he's getting older, he has stopped running around as much. He has stopped pressing as much. And he, he is still a phenomenal goal scorer, a phenomenal footballer. But he does need carrying and supporting slightly more than he has before. Um, and I think, actually, opposite to Pogba, who just talked about his Man United teammate, Fernandes, has a lot more defensive responsibility for Portugal, which causes him a lot more problems and means he's a lot more defensively minded there um, and a lot less creative. And so the responsibility then falls on the front three, which I think will be Jota, Bernardo Silva and um, Ronaldo, 
Jota's been great for them recently. I think he's good, probably going to be their star man through most of this tournament. Because while Ronaldo will still be the talisman, Jota has just popped up with goals recently. And they don't need to beat every team 4 or 5 nil. They're certainly not expected to with the group they've got. But I still think we saw in the Nations League last year, they had France and they were them with Croatia and Ukraine, I think. And the only, the only team they lost to was France. The only team they drew to was France and they comfortably beat Croatia and Ukraine home and away. So they still very much have quality to beat even the better sides in this competition like Croatia. I think they will come second in the group to France. Um, and they're not the greatest organised attacking force, but I think they have this sort of level of defensive solidity that means that they will um, still be absolutely fine. George did mention there that they lost to the France in the Nations League last year. Uh, they have played Spain recently as well, a couple of days ago, in fact, uh, and could only draw nil all. And it was quite a boring game, it must be said. Uh Ollie, what do you think needs to change for this Portugal side to really mix it with those the creme de la creme of international teams? Uh, well, to be honest, I think they are mixing it. I think you know you can take only take so much from warm up games. Um, I think it's just a question of you know it's the obvious question, but how well can how, how well can Ronaldo do? Will he turn up like he did five years ago? Probably is the answer. Um, Joss, as we said, looks like such a good option even for Ronaldo, um, if they do become over-reliant at him, because he's also just so direct, um, so prolific. Uh, they've got Andre Silva's come on. Uh, yeah, I just think they've got so much talent up up top. João Felix and Bernardo Silva could potentially be playing either side of Ronaldo. Um, they have that base in, in, in defence. Um, so personally, I don't see huge issues. I think gelling is a side and sort of producing that quality of football is often overhyped in, for international tournaments, um, you know, which arguably renders our job useless in analysing it. But it's sort of like, it sort of depends on what clicks on the day. And I think they've got that strength and depth up top and an excellent back four, which, you know, gives them the base to, to do pretty well. There were some rather famous images from the last European Championship final after Ronaldo had gone off injured barking orders from the touchline. This may well be his one of his last tournaments in a Portugal shirt. Matt, do you think if there is a risk of potential over-reliance on Ronaldo, do you think it could possibly be a good idea for him to maybe take more of a back seat and take more of a leadership role, do you reckon? Or do you think he still is very much the key to this side? Uh, I mean, the backlash if you were to bench Cristiano Ronaldo in an international tournament would probably be Quite, uh, quite extreme so I don't think you, you have to play him because he can produce those magic moments so no um, you can do that on the pitch as well I there is a question of over-reliance which everyone's been talking about and I think Juventus have definitely suffered this year especially as he gets older and I don't think he's going to stifle them particularly but I think everyone will be so conscious of playing for his needs getting it to him that that could in some way limit them and I think if he is a true leader, as everyone says, he'll recognise that. And if he can see it happening, maybe, you know, take take the take leadership and sub himself off. But I don't see that happening, frankly, because his ego is uh, far too large. So, yeah, I think he's obviously in, so crucial, so crucial. And it pains me to say as a Messi fanboy, but 
I think he'll deliver when, when he needs to deliver. And um, players will play up for him and get the best out of, out of them. So you can't take him out. Um, Portugal are one of the few sides who I think you could claim benefited from the tournament being postponed by a year. We've seen the likes of Ruben Diaz, who, who's really come to form for Manchester City. Is he a final piece of the jigsaw? Do you think he completes this Portugal team? Does he add a lot to their defence, George? Um, I mean, yeah, he's a massive addition. Obviously, the only other two centre-backs they've really got are Pepe and Jose Font, who have both had great domestic seasons and both very good players, but they're, what, 35 and 37? Don't have much left in the legs. Um, obviously, they're both winners and they're both um, very strong, aggressive players, but having such a, a culture and intelligent centre-back like Ruben Diaz alongside them, who progresses the ball so well. And we've already seen in the Nations League games, predominantly he kept Kylian Mbappe quiet on his own. Um, and he also did a good job in the Champions League uh, semi-finals for City against PSG. Um, yeah, I think he's a massive addition for them because he is such a quality centre-back um, to then... Obviously, just won the Premier League Player of the Year, which wasn't necessarily deserved. But the fact that he was still in the conversation is um, shows his quality. And yeah, I think when with the players he's got around him, obviously Rafa Guerrero probably starting at left back, not the most not the most defensive or best defensive player they've got, and probably Cancelo or Nelson Semedo at right back, who also aren't the best defensively. Um, having someone of his defensive quality is going to be really important. Yeah, exactly. Yes, he does. He does add a lot to that defence. He allows the fullbacks to push on. And also it's a younger head next to more experienced side of what will probably be Pepe, but could also be Jose Font, as you mentioned as well. A stellar season with Lille. Let's move on to our final team and the minnows in this group, you have to say. They qualified for the tournament in somewhat remarkable fashion. They actually came fourth out of a group of five in qualifying, but won a playoff against Iceland. Uh, 2-1 with goals in the 88th and 92nd minute. Unfortunately for them, Dominic Sovoslai, probably butchered that name, is not with their squad. He is injured. Do they have any other players who you think could hurt the so-called bigger sides, Ollie? Uh, yeah, I mean, they've got this sort of Bundesliga core, I guess, which would represent more household names, if you want to call them that. Uh, again, with apologies to any of our Hungarian listeners. Uh, the likes of Willy Orban, um, who's going to be key for them, centre-back, big in the air, good on the ball. Um, he'll be up against the likes of Ronaldo uh, and Benzema. Uh, and those will be really interesting battles, uh, again, with that aerial threat that those two carry. Um the captain, um, Adam Salai, uh, is obviously their focal point, uh, their top scorer, um, and Adam Nagy from, from Bristol City, uh, who's another experienced player, um, who will be most likely in the heart of midfield. They don't look totally bereft of any talent, but that news um, that Sabosli dropped out was massive for them. Obviously, he was the one who scored that winner against Iceland. 20 years old looks like a serious prospect so that's obviously very demoralising for them um, and I think it's partly playing a role in them being the second largest minnows in the whole tournament um, to North Macedonia I think at 250 to 1 to, to win the whole thing 
Um, so it's not looking massively pretty for them. Yeah, you mentioned there Willie Orban, who was their, actually their top scorer in Europa League, uh, Europa Championship qualifying with three goals, which really says a lot about kind of lack of attacking quality that they are dealing with. Uh, Matt, do you think their defence, obviously they will be up against it quite a lot against these larger sides. How much faith do you have in their Bundesliga core, the likes of Orban and Galaxy, to weather the storm against these bigger sides? Yeah, there's a common theme, actually, of these sort of minnows having a really good goalkeeper and a pretty decent centre-back, and that's about it. Um, yeah, Gulaski and, and Orban are, you know, brilliant players in the Bundesliga, but to what extent they can carry this entire team is uh, a different question entirely. Uh, they've been handed a pretty pretty bad deal with this group, and there's going to be onslaught upon onslaught of attacking uh, threat from, from the likes of the the lineups we've just mentioned. So, Orban's quite small, I believe. Um, he could get overrun, especially if he doesn't get much help around him. So, it'll be on Glashke's shoulders really to to keep those, those shots out. Uh, and if he can do that, then he'll be relying on um, Zalai or whoever it is, who uh, is the top goal scorer but isn't a reliable source of goals by by all accounts. So, not much hope. Or for Hungary and the goulash pressing, as they call it, um, that it could potentially uh, turn a few heads, could make a couple of points, which would be enormous for them, I imagine. Yeah, I think in, in a group like this, any points on the board will ample for them not be enough. Uh, of course, it goes without saying that Hungary are considerable underdogs in this group. Could that potentially work in their favour, knowing that they can play without fear or... Will it have an adverse effect on them, George? Yeah, I think it really could. Um, they come into match day three, the third game against Germany. They'll have both played France and Portugal. And I think if this German side get battered in the first week by France, which has every chance they could, they can come into that third game sort of highly under pressure and very low on confidence. And this Hungary side know how to play against big teams. They'll sit back and hit the ball up. I think hitting balls up to Adam Shalai, but also got Roland Salai, who got eight goals for Freiburg this season. Um, hitting goals up to Germany's very disorganised high line could cause chaos. And Germany really can't defend set pieces either, which could really play in the hands of someone like Billy Orban. But yeah, I think having a Bundesliga core for this Hungary side will be really important um, when they've got Orban and Glashi know how to deal with players like Nabri, Sane, Kimmich. Um, to then come into this Germany game because all they have to do is win that game and then they could progress as as, um, the third best team into the knockout stages as Portugal did on three points five years ago. Exactly. Uh, And it must be said that Hungary did make it out of their group last Euros as well. They held Portugal to a draw, managed to beat Austria. Uh, Of course, they were humbled by Belgium in the last 16, but they're no stranger to a, a slight upset. And if they play to their strengths and know their limitations, then there's no reason to suggest that they couldn't nick a result or two on the way. If we branch out and look at the group as a whole, then it kicks off on the 15th of June with Hungary playing Portugal and then France versus Germany in Munich later that night. Does that game in Munich have the look of a make or break really early in the competition already, Oli? Yeah, I think obviously in the nature of the group format, every game is a massive game. Um, I think momentum will be relatively important. 
Um, I think if Germany can nick something early on, then maybe some of the cynicism might start to lift. Um, as we've mentioned, they'll be in front of a, a largely home crowd. Um, but yeah, I think starting well is obviously vital, um, just in terms of the mood in the camp. Um, and as I've mentioned, I can't see uh, I can't see Germany or Hungary nicking anything. Um, and yeah, I think France and Portugal will start well and finish well. As the nature of this uh, of this tournament is, the third place side from this group could well actually make it through to knockout stages. If they do so, they could potentially face the likes of England, Belgium, or the Netherlands. If we're saying that France are the favourites for this group, which it sounds like, based off our previous discussions, how far do we see teams like Germany, Portugal, maybe even Hungary, going past the group stage, uh, Matt? I said earlier, Portugal are widely tipped to uh, to actually win the whole thing. So there's every chance they could with the quality, but as I said earlier, it's how they, um, they weave it all together. Germany, much... Uh, not much fancied by George especially on this podcast um, but ultimately I think they no reason why they couldn't win it with the, with the midfield that they have and the experience in their ranks uh, I don't think they will but either of those two could could well win it and there's no reason why not if they play their cards right so yep I think any of those three except Hungary have every chance writing them off so early yeah, when I did my uh, my predictor on the Telegraph, I did actually end up with France playing Portugal in the final. So we could have a rehearsal very early in the competition already. Uh, just before we finish, I think it would be good to ask who are your players to watch from each, well, from the group? Who do you think will shine in this group? Uh, we'll start with Oli. Um, yeah, I think from a slightly more obvious standpoint, I think it's a massive tournament for Jao Felix. Um, he's obviously starting to settle in Atletico, but, you know, I think it's something like six goals, seven assists isn't, you know, there aren't the numbers that he wants to be producing or Atletico want him to be producing. Um, you know, he's still obviously really young uh, and you feel like this is a massive opportunity for him to sort of re-stamp his authority on Europe. Um, you know, at 21, to be under so much pressure is, is obviously tough, but he's surrounded by, you know, icons, by leaders, uh, you know, the likes of Ronaldo and Fernandes and Diaz. Portugal have got that spine of experience and leadership to sort of potentially lift that youth up. Um, and then staying with Portugal, I think Pedro Gonçalves could be one to look out for. Uh, he's 22 Played for Wolves once in 2018, I think, um, and has scored 23 and 32 for Sporting Lisbon this year. Um, so, he, and he, he plays in behind the striker, so he, so he creates as well. Um, obviously, it's yet to be seen whether he'll get some game time, but yeah, if he does, he could be one to look out for. You took my name there. I was going to say Pedro Gonzalez as well, actually. Um, George, what about you? Who do you think is going to shine in the group stage? Um. Well, I think it's hard to pick out youngsters when you have such established squads in, in France, Portugal and Germany. But I'll, I'll be watching Jamal Musiala for Germany. He's done really well for Bayern Munich this season, come in in big games and put in big performances. Uh, Hansi Flick showed that he can trust him. I think Joachim Löw thinks the same thing. 
which is why fairly surprisingly, I think, took him over Florian Wirtz, who's been brilliant for Germany in the under-21s recently as well. Um, but yeah, I think Musiala could just provide that sort of youthful spark and sort of raw confidence to come on in the late minutes if Germany are struggling a bit um, and just help with help get a breakthrough. So yeah, I think we're a big tournament for Jamal Musiala. I think there will be a lot of England fans possibly looking on, wondering what could have been if he starts possibly and plays well for Germany and if the competition doesn't quite go so well for England, knowing that they could have had him as well. Uh, Matt, what about you? Who do you think could possibly stand out in this group? Yeah, sticking with the theme of um, Germans making their debut performance on the international scale, um, Robin Gersons, as I mentioned earlier, uh, filling that void at the left wing back position or just simply left back, I think he could be phenomenal. He's an absolute goal machine. He can defend well. He can link up play beautifully. He's been an absolute powerhouse for Atalanta this year. Um, got me so many points in the fantasy league. So I want to see Robin Gersons. I think he'll be uh, he'll be brilliant. Um, one definitely to look out for. For sure, Atalanta aside, who in the recent years have performed well, well, they've definitely broken into that traditional top seven, you'd think, of the Italian side. So Gerson has been key to that team as well. Before we leave, let's get some group predictions from each of you as well. One to four. Who's going to win? Who is not going to quite make it? We'll start with you again, Ollie. Yeah, I think I've already made it fairly obvious, but um, France, Portugal, Germany, and then Hungary. And George? I think I'm going to go out there a bit and stick true to what I said earlier and go France, Portugal, Hungary, Germany. I think they got embarrassed in the last World Cup and they might just get embarrassed here again. We do love an underdog story. And I would love to see Hungary go through potentially as well if they came third. Matt, group predictions? Well, I, I slightly think differently. I think Germany will want uh, to fight back, especially given that it's Liv's uh, swan song. And France, they could easily become complacent. I don't think they've changed enough of their squad up, um, refreshed itself. So, you know, I'm going to go Portugal top. Germany second, controversially. I'm going to go France third and Hungary not going to get a single point in four. Wow, you really don't like the French. No, they dropped Theo Hernandez and I'm fuming. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, nice to have a lot of variation in the predictions. I'm afraid that's all we'll have time for today. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you haven't already, make sure to check out our previews of the other groups and make sure to keep tuning in for more content on the way, both podcasts and articles about the European Championships this summer. Thanks very much to everyone for discussing and I'm sure I'll see you all again soon. Yeah, thanks very much. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.